Welcome back to the Pool Pro Podcast. By having a team of builders in your area that rely on you, you can be a part of the pre-startup process. Learn how J.C. Escudero teams with service pros to ensure a successful startup. Listen up. Welcome back to the Pool Pro Podcast. This is Michelle Cavanaugh with my co-host. Dave Rockwell. Hey, Dave. Good morning. Morning. Welcome back. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We've been getting some really good comments and feedback back questions on our YouTube channel that we've been answering. So thank you so much for being a listener. You can subscribe as, as a, on this YouTube channel that you're watching, or if you're listening on the audio only, either via iTunes or Spotify or some other podcast platform, feel free to just to subscribe. And then when the new episode comes up every Wednesday morning, you will get notified. Excited today. This is a topic that David has, a, has really been wanting to talk about. This is a series we're going to be doing in regards to startups. We have JC Escadero today, who is the owner of J Design Pool and Spa. He's the builder extraordinaire in the Orange County area, I believe, JC. Is that right? I'm in LA, Metro. Oh, LA. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So we're excited to talk to him because we're going to talk about pre-startups today and how you prepare for the startup. Thanks to JC for coming on today. We appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So Dave, what are we concerned about with, with pre-startups? I know this is a topic that is close to your, your heart in regards to making sure service guys know what's up. Uh, yeah, and as, as a service guy, I, I really appreciate working with builders who give some more thought to getting the pool off the ground the right way. So many times in, in, in my career, uh, I get a phone call and the builder just says, well, the pool's full, get over here when you can. <laughs> and you get there and the pool's full of dust, the water's cloudy, the equipment hasn't been started. And uh, I think really we need to work closer together, builders and service people, whether the builder does, uh, does it himself or whenever he turns it over to a service person, it needs to be better coordinated. And JC, I know, feels very strongly about that, but getting the pool off to a good start is critical to what's gonna happen the rest of the life of the pool. So what we really wanted to talk about with JC today, he had some great ideas of what needs to be done and coordinated between the builder and the service tech leading up to plaster day. How do we get a pool ready to start up? It's gone through sometimes years of construction process, at least months. The homeowner's chomping at the bit to get in get all these people off his property so he can have it back to himself. And this is step one of the process that gets him where he wants to be. What do you think, JC? Exactly. And uh, as Dave mentioned, it, it's also what the uh, plaster crew is expecting as well, because believe it or not, I think it's a three-way, uh, not only the builder, uh, you're making sure his construction skills and he's determined to deliver a shell that it's probably, uh, I mean, perfectly prepped for the plaster crew to really work and do an excellent job. And at the same time, the service technician, service company, or whoever is taking care of that pool has the tools and knows exactly how all that transition works. Uh, if the builder is not there uh, or the plaster crew 
They usually, they're just hired to go and do that. Uh, very few companies have an in-house uh, plaster crew because it's just uh, tremendous uh, load of work, unless it's a plastering company that does just that. But in general speaking, it's really only, you know, the transition between those. And uh, that's, that's the, uh, the real, in a nutshell, those three, three moving parts that I need to work together, right, Dave? Yes. So how, how far in advance of actual plaster day do we start to prepare for the startup? And well, let's start with that one. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. In my opinion, it really starts, uh, if it is a new, new construction, from the excavation. And, and I say those things because a lot of the times, either the service technician or the plaster crew do not know where the problem is or how did, how did we got here into this problem if they don't understand where that issue came from. And a lot of the times the, the excavation was not supervised properly and uh, they may have you know, uh, not enough room for the steel to go properly or the elevation is off and you're gonna have problems you know, uh, servicing that pool because the plumber will have to put the, the, the skimmer or lines to low to high and all those little details start to add up. And now that, that you, you mentioned some of the prepping things like, like we talked about are very important to deliver the shell that it's clean, that it's free of debris that you properly chipped out some penetrations where the plumbing comes and also have it you know, sealed properly. A lot of the times, I'm sure you, you get this very often, uh, hopefully not with, with some, some uh, plaster companies, they, uh, they get called back because they say, oh, there's a, there's a rust spot. There's something wrong with the plaster mix, this and that. And ultimately it's not the plaster issue. It was not, the shell was not prepped properly. It was probably a rebar, it was too shallow on the concrete or a tie wire, as simple as that. That was not removed or it was uh, on a shallow part next to a finning and it starts bleeding out as the contact with water. And, and those are problems that you can avoid just by having a little bit of more uh, thoroughness, a little tally list that you can do with your uh, you know, with your, with your builder and while you're doing a walkthrough, making sure, you know, uh, that everything is clean so the plaster crew doesn't have a big problem. And uh, I talk to my, to, my, to my crews also all the time, making sure I'm delivering what they need. Nobody wants to get into a pool that they show up in the morning, they wanna work and they're hired to do a beautiful plaster job and they gotta stay there for four hours cleaning a pool. Yeah. And so their guess what? Their quality work is not gonna be what you expected because they're tired. They were four hours cleaning a pool and draining it and and having to battle and fight against the current with all those issues becomes a big issue for the homeowner at the end of the day. Because he will not have the product he's supposed to get or he was expected to get. Sure. And so there's some things that as a, a pool service tech, 
has a, a reasonable right to expect from the pool builder. And I think you hit on one. Uh, I found rust stains on pools show up really soon. I think one of the first responsibilities that a, that a pool builder has is to walk the pool excavation pre-shot pre and look at look for those loose tie wires that, you know, make sure they're not bent over check your steel placement make sure it's not going to end up too close to the surface because these are huge fixes down the road uh, San Diego has a lot of problems with this and a, a whole burgeoning industry uh, of underwater pool repair uh, was born there because there was just so much need for somebody who could get in there and cut that out without draining the pool. And I know a guy who's, who's made quite a career out of that, but it all boils down to a pool that wasn't built right. So fast forward. Is a forward. service guy though? Is a service guy going, he's not doing, he's not going with the builder and doing these kind of walkthroughs ahead of time. You're talking about no, the this is this is something the builder's going to do. Yeah. Then, then after that, especially on some of the really big and more complex projects, I really appreciate when the builder invites me in mm. several times during the construction process so I can see where the plumbing lies in the trenches and you know how everything is laid out, how, what it looks like underneath all the hardscape once, the, once that's finished. Then I have a better mental picture if, if something goes wrong, if I know where the light conduits are, if, if it's hard to pull a cord, I'll know why it, there's extra bends and extra 90s in the conduit and I have to prepare mentally for that when I have to go uh, repair something. But it's on the complex projects, it's really nice to get the service guy involved as soon as possible. Yeah. And we talked about that. The other episode we did with JC was about building a relationship with your builder. The, the relationship between the service guy and the builder. And if you don't have a relationship with a builder in your area that, that is recommending you to do the service to the homeowner, then you really need to start building those, those relationships and becoming the service guy in the area for the builder to recommend. Exactly. And, you know, ultimately that's how we all get referrals mm -hmm. and we all get, you know, continuity on, 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 on work and, uh, it builds up that relationship, like you say, and we have discussed this with uh, with Dave and uh, other other builders and service technicians uh, that that I know in the industry. Uh, for them, it's very critical, just like like for Dave, having that relationship and being able to to call them up and say, "I have I have a problem. Uh, what should I do? Or where where is this coming from?" Uh, so, yeah. um, as Dave said, you know, coming along is really great, you know, even at early stages and creating that, that real good professional relationship uh, that the client benefits. Yeah. And that also introduces the, the homeowner and the general contractor, if there is one, to this is the guy who's going to service this pool. He knows everything about it. He's seen it go in and he's your guy. And, and it really makes for... Um, the start of a really good long-term relationship with the customer. So now let's fast forward to, we're getting really close to plaster day. You sent me a really nice list of things that, that we need to consider. So let's start going over those. What are the things that we need to start doing? You and I, if we're gonna start up a pool together. 
Right. Well, first of all, I would say that, you know, uh, making sure uh, the installation of lights in their light niches and the light niches are properly plumbed or straight with a pool wall, it's so critical. Just like the uh, uh, plumbing pipes, you know, that, you know, if they're not crooked, you know, might as well fix it before. Uh, because once you have water and you have a light that is crooked, the illumination is gonna be terrible. It's like having a bulb in your kitchen that it's, you know, facing the street and you can't see anything inside your kitchen. Right. And, and you know, sorry to use that type of scenarios, but <laughs> you, you see pools that, you know, where is your pool light? I can't see any light in the water. And either the light is too deep and you see the floor and, and you see all the imperfections, unfortunately, that traveling comes with it. This is, and a lot of people do not understand that pools are man-made. We use machinery, but they're man-made. Tradesmen, from the steel, to the concrete, to the troweling, to the tile, everything is done by hand. There mm -hmm. is no manufacturing process on construction of the uh, concrete vessels uh, or in-ground pools, as we call them. So having those, those, those things done right and sealed and cleaned and clean the concrete from debris, making sure your tile is clean and your grout is clean, uh, I kid you not, I've cleaned tile uh, once the pool is full and you have to, you know, sit, you know, upside down in the floor with half of your head in the water trying to clean that tile. Why didn't you do it when the pool was empty? <laughs> it's just as simple as that. Mm -hmm. And, and those, those scenarios are, are very critical. Shovebacks, water, uh, uh, power washing uh, the shell, it's actually a good business practice because you're gonna have a concrete that is pretty moist, that is gonna receive very well the new material, whether it's a plaster finish, you know, whether it's a, a regular plaster or an aggregate finish. Mm -hmm. So those are, those are critical, critical points that uh, I kind of like to walk through. And also uh, one of the things that are kind of important that, you know, we can touch base, it's about the equipment. And you, you have uh, also that, that is critical as Dave was saying, you know, go around see where things are and why uh, we have the equipment this and why is that valve like that and figure out what the pool needs to do or how the plumbing is gonna react once he takes over and starts that pool circulating. And a lot of these pools have a lot of water features. So people want yeah. that. So you gotta be fluent on what's happening. Uh, yeah, I've also seen many times uh, on startups, not only the client, but service technicians that don't know what that is. They never yeah. seen one. And it's very important we explain and we talk with them and have that relationship, like we said at the beginning, so they understand what piece of equipment is doing and why mm -hmm. and how it needs to operate. I often get called back uh, sometimes to go a look at a, a problem on equipment or a warranty call. And, and I see my timers all screwed up. I go like, why is that? Why is your pool not circulating like, like we agreed, like I told you, like we did at the beginning. And uh, I don't control sometimes who the homeowner hires. And that's entirely up to their decision. You know, it's, uh, 
uh, a lot of the times it's just an economic decision for them. So, you know, you get what you pay. Unfortunately, we say it in the industry too often. And, and that, is, that is the true fact. So I, what I'd like to do is go back. You, you touched on a lot of things in a short period of time, and I'd like to unpack a few of them. Sure. One of the things that you mentioned I think is really important is on the lighting. Niche pool lights, the newer LED ones, are very critical about their orientation. Pentair just sent out a, a, a directive uh, reminding installers that the screw has to be exactly at 12 o'clock in order for their lights to shine properly because of the ribs in the lens, if exactly. they're crooked, they, the light won't illuminate the pool properly. Now that can be fixed by rotating the lens, loosening it up and rotating it, but that's something that would be really nice to have all dialed in before there's water in the pool and before we're walking around on brand new plaster. So checking those, that is, I think is a really important pre-plaster step. Uh, one thing that you talked about that I wanted to uh, get you to explain a little bit more is about preparing the surface to receive the plaster. There's a term you hear, SSD. Um, among plasters and tell me tell me a little bit about what that means exactly surface saturation uh, and that's exactly that that term that you mentioned once you have a shell that it's nice and clean the concrete it's basically are going to absorb a lot of the moisture the receiving material it's going to bring so if you have a shell that it's been laying around for months because of construction or hardscape or any other uh, construction uh, timeline that was required, these shells are sitting on the sun and they dry up over time. Like uh, they get really hot. It's concrete, just like on the street or you walk and you know, just you go to a, uh, in the summer, you know, you can't walk on it or even yeah. on the sidewalk, on, yeah. On your sidewalk. So, Imagine inside that shell, you're, you're trying to apply a nice material that requires certain time to actually dry. It's gonna to dry too fast. It's gonna create problems right away before he even has water on the pool. So creating that, that shell being really wet and moisture will, will not absorb that much of that material that the, the water the material has or plaster and it will allow it to properly cure or set before you actually add water or during the time the water is filling up the pool. Mm. So the, the, the SSD actually, you know, as I understand it, means saturated but surface dry. So that the, the moisture is in the gunite, in the shotcrete shell, but the surface uh, moisture has evaporated. So the, the concrete is moist, but it's not dripping wet, basically. Right. Now, a lot of pool builders, and again, there's a whole burgeoning industry uh, of leak detection and leak repairs in pools that has thrived because of problems with the way pools are built. A lot of pool builders now are, are adamant that pools should be completely waterproofed with a membrane waterproofing. But when you do that, you can't get that SSD 
and the the uh, moisture in the plaster cannot absorb. So, um, do you? How do you feel about waterproofing pools and and uh, right? I, what are I'm you gonna, saying with that? I'm going to split your question in two in two parts. And the first part, I will say, uh, definitely uh, that that preparation of of the surface is really important for that receiving material, like we talked. Now, when you start putting a waterproof membrane, you have to also understand what is gonna be your finished material. Some manufacturers are not okay with you installing a waterproof or their, their material on top of a waterproof membrane that they don't know about or how well it's gonna bond. We are using cements. So these two cements, which is your shell and the, the plaster finish, whether it's an aggregate or not, they require a lot of rough area, and there's grades to that, to allow that to happen. Uh, a lot of these manufacturers are coming with, with issues because uh, some of these waterproofs are not applied properly. That's mm -hmm. the, other, the other part that I was gonna say about the construction. Uh, it can be your solution for a leak detector having a waterproof membrane. And honestly, most of the poles leak at the penetrations. We put, uh, and, I, and again, this costs often, uh, you know, too. It's happened to everyone, especially in construction. So right away when I get a call like that, I'm gonna pressure test my equipment. Right away, I see that there is no issue on the plumbing, so it, the pool shouldn't be leaking. Well, guess what? A lot of the times, if you didn't prep properly your light conduits and they were not pressure tested, you're gonna have a leak there, right there. Mm -hmm. Or your same light niche, if you're using you know, a traditional uh, plastic light niche, a lot of the times those, those fittings behind get loose or they move uh, due, due to the shock grid application, because they get this concrete at high velocity hitting these light niches, not only like you said, and you pointed it out, they move and they create uh, an off level situation for your light to be installed, but they also create these problems. And, and, the, and uh, the second part of the uh, leak detector makes this job real easy. If you already have all these things in place, you know exactly where your problems are. Now inspecting your shell and cleaning it will also let you know if you have a little issue here and you have either uh, maybe a small crack that may not look like uh, just a hairline crack or normal, you know, uh, 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 concrete crack. And you may have an issue there. You may have a lot of rebound uh, and the pool builder it's so important he does that walkthrough to understand why is this problems coming coming from. So yeah. we can relate that to the uh, to the plaster crew and the plaster plumbing. A lot of the times uh, you can see this over time. You know, after observing many many years being on site on job sites, you start picking up on little tips. And uh, and one day I had you know, um, my early days of construction and supervising. Uh, I saw a plaster guy just going with a hammer all over the pool. I go like, what are you doing? I mean, it's concrete, you know, it's not gonna, you're not gonna break it. I made a joke out of it, but I didn't know exactly what he was doing. 
I was green and inexperienced. But he explained to me, I can hear it. There's a little hollow spot. And I'd rather remove that now than have a problem with my plaster once the water is in. Because plaster may just pop out because there was an issue with the substrate. Very mm. often over, not overseen. And it's one of the items that are also caused of many, many, uh, you know, go backs and, and issues with builders. And so this is something that I think is highly critical that, and it's why it's a good idea for the uh, pool service person and the pool builder to get together before the plaster is installed in the pool. Because if you, if you just show up as a pool service tech to start the pool up after it's full of water, the plaster is already installed. Pools that have a membrane waterproofing are prone to kind of a ghosting white cloudiness comes through sometimes. There's check cracking can happen. And it's all, a lot of it has to do with the moisture not having a place to go behind and be absorbed. And so, the but once it's installed, the, the go-to for most plaster companies and some uh, pool builders that don't have a good relationship with their service tech is, well, it's the service guy's fault. They show up with a can of yeah. test strips or a cheap test kit and go, it's all about your water chemistry. It's your fault. And so it's really important for the pool person to have a defensible position that he knows how the plaster went in, what's under the plaster. And, and he really needs to understand all of the issues involved with the things that led up to where his water chemistry came into play. So true. I agree completely. Um, so now the plaster's in the pool or the, pla the, the water's going into the pool. Uh, let's move to the equipment pad and let's talk about the things that are, are needed. The startups at the equipment pad, as you pointed out earlier with the average backyard pool is no longer just an average backyard pool. There's so many other things going on now. Water features are added. Um, complex uh, water treatment systems are becoming more and more popular. Um, as you know, I'm a big advocate of those. And uh, all of these things require a little extra work at the equipment pad when it comes time. Right. Yep. One of the one of the things that you know is crucial on all this prepping part when you get to the equipment is well you had everything pressure tested you you ensure that you had no issues there so once you're doing all these walkthroughs empty your plumbing let all the water out let it go in the pool clean it power wash it get all that bad water that it's been sitting and stagnating mm. in those pipes for a long time. Very important to take it out. And at the same time, you're gonna do the plaster a huge favor. A lot of the times the elevation on the pipes, there's always a little bit of water that may stay inside mm -hmm. and it may drip while they're plastering. That causes a huge problem because it's literally staining or hydrating your, your material before it should be or before it's completely ready for to, to, to receive the water and to be filled up. 
And that's one of the things that is, is really important uh, at the equipment pad. The second thing that I always try to, to do and recommend is to go over a little bit of the functionment. And uh, we all understand basically how the pool and spa works and what some water features will do. Uh, so if you do that walkthrough with the service technician, today the they, they come in for the startup, they're not gonna be calling you, you know, at 6 p.m., hey, the pool is full. Uh, please answer your phone because I have a question. Because, they, you know, it's like, where's that valve? What is this valve doing that? I close it, but it's not doing what it's supposed to do. And there's, it's intricate in the plumbing part. And Dave, is, it's 100% accurate on that. So closing the valves, make sure your spas and your bypasses and everything is, is open or closed on the position it's supposed to, to receive the pool uh, being, as the pool has been filled. So you don't have any issues and you don't have any water seepage going from one place to another that it's unwanted at that point. Because it may, it may claim some streaks in your finished looks and materials. I'm sure well, that happened to you, Dave. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You, one thing that, that I, you brought out that I think is really a, a great idea. One, some of these pools are part of a much larger construction project on the property. Yeah. And these pipes have been under pressure and capped off sometimes for years, sometimes two or three years. Correct. And you cut that pipe and it's just sulfur, rotten egg smell. That's biofilm. That is, that is a bacterial colony that chlorine just doesn't just kill it. it, it exactly. it's, it's very difficult to get rid of once it's established. And I love your idea about pressure testing light conduits because that is most neglected, least thought of thing and, and a number one source of leaks in a pool. But the, when, you, when you open those lines up, it, I like the idea of flushing them out before you fill the pool, before you plaster, at least get that started. I always run enzymes in the water uh, when I do my startups on pools that have, have been under pressure for a long time and you get that rotten egg smell. But I like the idea of getting it out of, you know, at least rinsing the pipes out, getting the worst yeah. of it out. And then the enzymes can do their thing. And the pool has an ozone system that'll help a lot too. So that the chlorine can get to the actual pathogens and kill them. Exactly. And yeah. those are some things that even builders, us, we don't know. You, you pointed it out. If, when you add the enzymes that kill this extra additional biofilm that is inside the pipe as a residue. Mm -hmm. We don't have magic, you know, broom that can go inside the pipe and brush it off real nice, you know, like you can do on a sink cleaning a, you know, right. uh, a cup or anything, you know, like that. So that is, that is a, a great point on, on doing that and testing the water as well. When you're when you before you fill up, so you know what you need to do to balance that pool water as it fills. Uh, and I know you got a few tricks under your sleeve to do that. Right, and so the, so then there as far as the actual startup procedures of the pool, um, there's different philosophies. There's guys that uh, do an acid startup. There's guys that do. Uh, a barrel. Um, I, I like the barrel and, and adding calcium to the water and adjusting the pH as it fills um, so that you just, the, the plaster gets the gentlest 
start possible um, right. and neither scaling or aggressive water touches it let the plaster kind of do its thing yeah and then you know if there are streaks and things that you have to sort out after the 30 days after the, it's cured and the surface is good and hard then if you want to do a little bit of an acidic treatment or you know there are some things you can do to try and even out the the streaks but um right. the best thing to do is give it the gentlest start possible and let let the concrete cure and get strong before you get too aggressive with it and i always tell you know even my clients you know i make it easy for me uh why why make it hard for me you know when i explain to them this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to do it it's because i want to avoid any aggravation that right that you're going to have uh like you said earlier they some of these clients are waiting for years to get their pool completed because it's a much broader, you know, project in construction. Uh, and, and that said, even if it is just a few months in construction, you know, you want to get your yard back, like you said, and the homeowner needs to understand what is going to be going on. If he's yeah. not kept informed, he will have a lot more questions and he will not understand what are you actually doing? So educating your client at the same time not only introducing your service technician or the person who's gonna do the startup with the client. So we all understand how the water needs to work and what are the things that we need to do and why he can't swim right away. Yeah. Right, exactly. I had a customer a number of years ago that they were so anxious to get in the pool as a black plaster pool. Oh, wow. They got in, husband, wife, kids, and the dog. Oh, gosh. As the pool was filling, by the time it got about waist deep, got in, walked all over the plaster. Oh, wow. And I said, well, I hope you like footprints because that's, <laughs> that's what you got now. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, too, just to go back to the mentorship side. I'm a big believer in mentorship. And I feel like if there are builders or service guys out there, excuse me, that don't have a relationship built with a builder in your area or a couple of builders in your area, you know, invite them out to lunch, invite the owner or the, uh, you know, out to lunch. Because I feel like with me, whenever I thought I'd, I decided I need a mentor in a particular area in business, you know, most people are willing to, to mentor you, you know, if you put the effort forth. So, you know, you could invite JC as an example out to lunch just talk about it. You could ask if you could come visit a job site or two to understand it better. I think the key here is educating yourself because you'll be a better service guy. And then maybe this builder will start recommending you because you showed the, the, you know, the, the drive to want to learn more and understand more. And then if you walk the job site with them, you can understand somehow, somehow some of these systems work better. Even automation or things, Dave, things we've talked about. You know, JC, you mentioned the timer not being right and different things. You know, it's if you, I think a lot of times they just feel embarrassed to ask questions because I don't know if you've seen some of the Facebook groups, but if you ask a stupid question, you get destroyed on Facebook. So I think, you know, they're probably like, I'm not going to ask a dumb question or ask, you know, admit that I don't know how to run that system because they're embarrassed. But if you meet a mentor like JC or somebody else who are, who's willing to, to educate you and show you, then that's only going to make you better at your job. And again, maybe you'll get some referrals out of it. So don't be afraid to ask, you know, somebody out to lunch or uh, for a phone call 
or Zoom meeting. And, you know, Dave Rockwell is so fabulous with that on the service side. If you have a question, you call him up. He'll certainly talk to you and explain things to you and, and you know, make you feel like you have a better understanding. So don't yeah. be afraid to do that. That's the whole point of this podcast and others is to educate. Yes. yes. And yeah. on the side of the builder, on the builder side as well, uh, we shouldn't be afraid of that. We need to reach out to, to the technicians. Uh, I, I, got a, I got a story for you, for you guys too. Uh, I met a leak detector, really young guy. He had a lot of drive. He wanted to learn. He wanted to get better. He was going to get married. He says, I'm going to start my own business. I, I, you know, and a good entrepreneurial spirit. And I, I looked at him, you know, one time I met him at literally a distributorship uh, for picking on materials and equipment. And he was there and I go like, what do you do? And uh, he strike me, his enthusiasm. Yeah. I go like, give me your number. And I met with him. I, I took him to a couple shark grits. I explained to him what I do, how I do it, and what I'm expecting from a leak detector. And he's been, he's been my leak detector on call since then. He knows right. he needs only to check two places, the skimmer and the lights. And now after years of ourselves learning more as builders, and now that I pressure my conduits as well, before I didn't do it, nobody did it at the beginning. You, these are things you pick up and learn. Like yeah. you said, you know, mentorship and education programs, so on and so forth are very important. And after, after, after that relationship that I built with him, he, he stepped up his game. Now he has a California construction license. He's also a swimming pool builder. He remodels pools. And he started all just by wanting to do it, but wanting to do it right. Yeah. And, and learning it properly. So, you know, it's a, it's a, a huge shout out to, to a lot of guys there. Uh, please, yeah, do that. It's very important that you get the point across and understand on both sides of the fence yeah, as a builder as well. Yeah. Right. And one thing that I would say to the service technicians is, there's, especially now during COVID, the, there's a lot of really good online training available. Pentair just released a whole new uh, Pentair University series on all their equipment. They have uh, classes that they is would that on have YouTube, taught. Dave? I tried to find that. Is it on YouTube? Where no, is that? Because I tried to find it. It's on website. You have to be a Pentair partner. Oh, I see. Uh, you, you have to be you know registered with them, which is a good thing to do with whatever manufacturer you deal with. I know JC is um, a big Hayward guy and Hayward has similar programs now where, where you can get online training. But as a service technician, if you walk onto a pool and don't understand how to program the system, how to, how to turn things on and off and on a big uh, automation system, then your chances are you're really not qualified to service this particular pool. Um, so one of the first things you need to do is really understand all the equipment on that pool and how it works. Um, we're at least we're to do the initial troubleshooting if something goes wrong. Uh, if you get, even if you're going to get warranty involved, it's nice to give them yeah. as much of a heads up and a head start as possible so they can come out with the right parts and fix it in one call. But um, 
that's the that's a really important place to start is really understanding how the equipment on that pool works. Yeah. And if you want to top it off, you know, the last person or the last moving part that you should be involved and you should have some relationship, like you say, on the equipment part, it's with your technical department from the equipment or manufacturer of your choice. Mm -hmm. yeah. if, you, if you have a good relationship with them, they'll, they'll answer you the phone. They'll help you with questions. They'll send a technician out, you know, to help you out and, and show you how to install this or install that uh, besides those classes. So yeah. it, is, it is really, really nice to get that relationship because then also the service technician knows who the equipment technician is. Yeah. And he can ask, why is this light acting up? Why is this pump not doing that? And he can explain you and walk you through and troubleshoot it like they've said. And yeah. so that, that, that extra uh, wheel turning and helping on the pool process uh, for the customer to enjoy, you know, a beautiful project. Right. So again, now that brings up a, and it made me think of another thing when we're starting up a pool and we're beginning to program an automation system, especially one that has a number of different components on it. What really helps me out is if the builder's electrician will give me a list of how he wired the pool. <laughs> auxiliary one is your pool light. Auxiliary two is your auxiliary jet pump. Auxiliary three is this water feature. Um, and then we have valves that we need to program as, as feature circuits. And um, But knowing how the pool is wired and not having to open that thing up and scratch my head and say, okay, where does this wire go? It looks like it goes to a GFI. That's probably the lights. Or just to start to randomly turning things <laughs> yeah. on and off and see what happens. It, it's nice to have that list and, and a place to start when you're programming because programming some of these automation systems is, uh, there's a lot more to it than there was in the old days. Um, getting all of the homeowner's information, his email address, his name and contact information. A lot, a lot of these uh, automation systems want you to enter that right into the automation system. And then the other thing that I do is I go through every piece of equipment, take a picture of the serial number, and then go online and register it for the homeowner. Again, I need that homeowner contact information in order to do that. But the, when, the, when you make a warranty call, the warranty station can just pull up all that information. He's got the serial numbers. He's got everything need, he needs right at his fingertips. To, and it makes his job a lot easier. Right. And a little extra tip for, for everyone out there, uh, you know, if you're with the builder and you're pulling those lights, mark on the conduits and do a little schematic. Uh, I have pools that have excess of more than 20 lights. You do not want to start pulling one at a time to see which is the one that I need to exchange the light that went bad. So it's, yeah. it'll save you enormous time. Everybody will be happy. All the light conduits are marked. You know, you start clockwise or have a system. So you, you get that also because anybody is gonna service that pool is gonna to have to exchange at one time of another, one or four lights. Yeah, the, the nicheless lights, we've gone through a lot of iterations of them and we've, we've had to replace a lot of those. And so, yeah. and I have been on jobs 
uh, for builders where the electrician has provided a map of where the lights are and the, the numbered conduits. And you're right, it is so much easier. Yeah. Um, it can make it a, it can turn a two man job into a one man job sometimes. Not always, but sometimes. And, and <laughs> one couple hours job instead of three days. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Another thing uh, as part of a startup, is, and you're not allowed to run the heater for 28 days or 21 days, depending on the plaster company's recommendations. They don't, they don't want the pool heated uh, because it too can cause uh, coloring issues in the plaster, especially dark plaster. But part of the startup should be throwing a manometer on, on the heater and knowing the heater's gas requirements and, and uh, pressure drop requirements and uh, making sure that the, that the gas supply is, is bled out and that the heater is ready to fire. I've gone on jobs where they've gone through the entire complete generally a remodel, but sometimes a new construction pro uh, project as well. Nobody ever thought to look at the gas meter. There's a 400,000 BTU heater and everything in the house that uses gas and a 250,000 BTU gas meter. Right. So um, all of a sudden you start, why isn't the pool heating up fast enough? Why, is it, you know, why am I having heater problems? Why is it sitting? Nobody ever <laughs> I got this far and never looked at the gas meter. So that's just something that um, the builder and the service technician should make yeah. sure they look at together. Uh, yeah. Also, a little a little addition uh, I like to add there on the equipment part when you're going to fill up this pool and you're adding all these chemicals and you have that heater, that that brought my attention because in certain pools we're now putting a plumbing bypass to the heater, so the whole circulation system is totally off from the heater. Uh, voluntarily, because you don't want this much chemicals at the beginning, depending on the type of surface or depending on the type of finish you're, you're doing for the, for the client. You have a lot of these heaters are very sensitive. The heat exchanger can be damaged in the first week if you don't know what you're doing. So that if you want to extend the, life, the lifespan of, uh, of, of that equipment, it's, it's very important. Uh, often I've, I've seen a lot of heaters damaged because people like, like Dave said, well, you should not start the heater in 30 days. Well, also salt. There's been a lot of salt generator systems that are immediately put on to work, damaging your plaster surface, but, you know, literally destroying your equipment in the first 30 days. Mm. Right. And the manufacturer comes out and says, well, what did you do that for? Uh, and manufacturers, they got to also, uh, you know, validate their warranty, but they, they also turn around and tell you, 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 you shouldn't do this. You messed up. You know, you were paying for the heater. We didn't do anything wrong. So that, that part of, of, of that in, you know, integration of communication as well for the startup is important. Yeah. Communication is really the key here. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> in all yeah. areas, not just in the pool industry. So another another area that it's kind of important to uh, not, you know, to pay attention to it. You know, as as a service technician, and you're doing a walkthrough, and you are with the builder, 
a lot of the times, uh, you know, us builders were, were overwhelmed with too many things going on at the same time when you're doing a shop rig that a lot of times you oversee the height or the distance of certain pipe penetrations. And some pipes or return lines could be a little too shallow or too close to a step or to a wall. And then uh, a lot of the issues arise after the plaster when water and chemicals have worked through the materials for you know, a few weeks or months and you start seeing some deterioration specifically where that pipe, where the water is coming out of that pipe because it's too close to the surface area. So mm. in that walkthrough, looking at these walls and penetrations where they are, are consistently on the distance and height and not protruding into a step or getting in too close to a corner, which not only helps the plaster applicator to trial properly that area, but to avoid these kind of situations. And uh, Dave and I have discussed that, you know, uh, a few times. When you have that good relationship, you can also explain to the builder, can, can we move that pipe up? Can we move it down? And at that prepping time, it's okay to chip out a little bit here and call the plumber and do those adjustments before the plaster crew gets there and make sure you covered all your steel and you, you use some hydraulic cement of some type or, of, you know, or brand of preference and apply it. So you have a secure uh, penetration and you avoided a huge problem because ultimately the homeowner is going to say, why is this happening here? I don't like it. You're staining this stain, take it out. And you can't do anything about it as a service technician says it's, it's the builder's fault. But if you had already that communication and a walkthrough that helps a lot, you know, mitigate and get another problem out of the list. That can happen with the nicheless lights too. The the LED lights, they, if if they're too too low down close to the bench or whatever, they um, they may not shine exactly the way the way that they should out into the pool. And but it's knowing really turned down for a client looking at the lights and going like, "Oh my God, what is this? Why so it looks like a toilet bowl?" <laughs> at, at this point, the service guy can either. Uh, have the builders back a little bit and explain if he's especially if he's been through a walkthrough. If the builders given him a heads up, he can say, "Yeah, well, I understand that, but here's why. You know, this 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 or that mitigating factor happened, and and uh, the service guy can uh, help uh, maybe have the builders back a little bit." Yeah. In the old days when there was that kind of animosity between builders and service technicians and then uh, uh, it really kind of ended up not being as, as good for the customer and right. for his peace of mind. If, if right. both of you have each other's backs and, yeah. and make the customer feel like they've hired a good crew who's on top of everything, then it's it's a lot better than trying to um, make yourself look good at at either the builder or the service guy's expense. You end up with a lot better uh, finished product and a lot better uh, relationship with a happy customer if you yep. work together. I agree. And the, another point about startups and the relationship between the builder and the service technician uh, does revolve around money. 
in the past when pools were really simple or even still on pools that are extremely simple where you just flip a switch on the time clock and start a single speed pump and everything jumps to life. Um, maybe the startup wasn't that big of a deal. You, a little bit of labor, you know, for the first couple of weeks to uh, mitigate the plaster dust and you're off and running. Um, they used to have relationships between builders and service technicians where the service tech did the service for free and, and on the hopes that they would get the pool on service. Yeah. Um, but these pools, as a service tech, I spend sometimes two, three entire days getting everything dialed in between the plaster startup, everything that's going on in the equipment pad. Um, you don't just flip a switch and everything comes to life. There's multiple variable speed pumps that need to be addressed and programmed and, and then dialed in the speeds set exactly where they need to be, valve positions. So uh, the relationship that I have with builders they make sure that I'm covered for all my time that I, they, they actually put it into their construction contract, um, a fair and, and decent sum for, for my time and effort. And I really appreciate that. It makes it worth my while. And it really does get the pool off to the best start possible, but it's not, um, it's not expected to be done for free. Right. Yes, agreed. JC, thank you so much for coming on today. We're hoping to have you back uh, as we talk to builders and, and uh, startups and different things related to builders. We think it's great that you come on and help us out and give us some feedback and, and I guess advice and insight into the builders world and mind. But we hope to continue uh, this series with JC and others in regards to how service guys and builders can work together. So JC, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it. Thank you. you. You're welcome. I appreciate it. Thanks for the invite. And uh, please, you know, anybody that needs, uh, you know, some tips or uh, need anything, feel free to email me or call me. I'm here to help, you know, I appreciate it. Thank you, Dave, Thanks. for the invitation, Michelle, as well. I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks, JC. Welcome. A new voice in the industry, a resource for all, education for you. This is Pool Pro Podcast. Build relationships and share important news as we get ready for our next backyard adventure. Pool Pro Podcast, Backyard Adventures Are Better Together. Please take a moment to share, like, and review our content with all of those that would be interested.